Welcome to the Heart of the Athlete. This is Reggie Etheridge welcoming you to the radio program for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, featuring what God is doing in the hearts and lives of coaches and athletes in Idaho. Now, here are your hosts. Well, good morning, folks, and welcome to the Heart of the Athlete, the local FCA radio show here on 94.1 FM. I'm Ken Lewis, the director for FCA, and with me is our director for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Ada County here in Boise area, and Boise Meridian is Pablo Moreno. Hey, good morning, Ken. Well, hey, we are finishing up our messages from our camp that we had, our all-sport camp, the Northwest SA Sport Camp. It's a sport camp we do each and every summer. Um, It's for uh, Idaho, Oregon, Washington, Montana, uh, we get some athletes from other states as well. We had some some kids from California this year and uh, that come to our camp. But um, just an amazing time, isn't it, Pablo? Man, what a great, powerful work God does every year. We don't know who he's going to bring. And students show up from all over the Northwest for a week of, uh, they call it inspiration and perspiration. That's of, right. Of being challenged physically, emotionally, and, and spiritually. And we're excited for you guys to hear the, the last segment from our last evening session with Dan Russell. This is the second part of a two-part message that uh, Dan gave. Actually, it was one message, but we cut it into two different parts, and just excited for you guys to hear it. All right. And we also want to thank our sponsors uh, for the the Heart of the Athlete and uh, and what they do for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes as well as uh, KBXL. And uh, first off is uh, Mike Verdon, RV and Auto Sales there on Fairview Avenue in Meridian. We appreciate his support of the program as well as the FCA. And then uh, Skip Hall and Associates, uh, his wealth management uh, service business here in, in Boise. We uh, just appreciate all his support and all he does for FCA. And and then also Jim's Well Drilling. And I want to thank Jim and, and his company just for their support. And then lastly, uh, Awakenings Coffee House there on the northwest corner of Overland and Five Mile. So, folks, this is Dan Russell, uh, four-time NCAA champ at, at Portland State. Uh, he was also a four-time high school state champ at in the state of Oregon um, in both Greco-Roman wrestling, freestyle wrestling, and uh, regular folk-style high school wrestling. He was ranked number one in the world in ni- 1995. Um, uh, he uh, coached in the Olympics uh, in 2000 and 2004. Is currently on staff with USA Wrestling and doing uh, wrestling, uh, using wrestling to uh, to reach people across the world. And uh, he was our last speaker, like Pablo was saying. And this is part two there on and his topic of finish strong. The Power Rangers. Okay. I see you. How many of you would save the Ninja Turtles? Okay, okay. Ninja Turtles win. Okay, how about this one? New Star Wars or old Star Wars? Okay, how many of you would save the new Star Wars? I'm with you. I stand in solidarity with you. How many of you would save the old Star Wars? Okay. Okay. Okay, here we go. Marvel or DC? Okay. How many of you would save DC? How many of you would save Marvel? That was a blowout, okay. Here we go, ready? This is for the basketball players and for everybody, but here we go. 
Actually, I'm going to just, I just thought of this one right now. I'm going to throw in a tennis one. <laughs> Let's give a hand to the tennis players, these legends over here. Rafael Nadal or Roger Federer? Okay, how many of you would save Roger Federer? How many of you would save Rafael Nadal? That was close. I think Nadal won, but that was close. Okay, here's the basketball one for everybody, though. Ready? LeBron. Or Kobe. Now, let me just say I'm voting for Kobe. How many of you also would vote to save Kobe Bryant? How many of you would save LeBron? I, did Kobe win or am I mistaken? Kobe won? Okay, okay, I like this. Okay, this is my favorite one. You ready? We're going back in time. Drum roll, please. Okay, here we go. High School Musical. Or... Camp Rock. <laughs> Zach or Joe here. Here we go. <laughs> How many of you would save Camp Rock? How many of you would save High School Musical? We're all in this together. Okay. Okay, I just have three more. Hulk? or Thor? How many of you would save Hulk? How many of you would save Thor? Okay. Thor wins. Two more, two more. For you Hunger Games fans, here we go. Peta or Gail? <laughs> Who would you save? Who would you kill? How many of you would save Gail? What? How many of you would save Peta? Did we just tie just now? Let me try that again. How many of you would save Gail? How many of you would save Peta? I, what do you guys think? I don't know. PETA? PETA? I don't know. PETA. I'm going to say PETA. This is pandemonium in here. Okay, here we go. Last one. Aslan. Or Gandalf. Who would you save? Who would you kill? How many of you would save Gandalf? How many of you would save Aslan? Okay, Aslan wins. Did you know Aslan in Persian means lion? So Jesus called the lion of the tribe of Judah. You have chosen correctly, my friends. Here's the thing. What would I choose? Oh, I, I don't remember. Kobe, Thor, 
I don't know, Peter and Gail, they're pretty close. Here we go. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was faced with this saber-kill decision. Here's the thing. The Roman lynch mob came to arrest him, and his choice was either, I'm going to save myself and kill my enemies because I have power for conquest, or I'm going to let them kill me and save my enemies and give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus was faced with this same save-or-kill decision, only for him, it was something real. It wasn't something fantastic. It was something intimate. It's either, either I'm going to save myself and kill my enemies, or I'm going to let them kill me and I'm going to save them. Either I'm going to be the king who conquers the earth by bathing the world in the blood of my enemies, or I'm going to overcome the world by bathing my enemies in the world with my own blood. And Jesus full-on had powers to wipe everybody out. There's this story in the Gospels where the Roman soldiers were supposed to arrest Jesus. And they come to apprehend him. And the soldiers couldn't arrest him. They come back to their CO, their commanding officer, their boss. And they said, we can't arrest Jesus. And the commanding officer said, why not? And the soldier said, because no one ever spoke like this guy. (gasps) Could you imagine, like, you're supposed to arrest somebody and you go back to the police station, you're like, sorry, I couldn't arrest him. He was such a sweet talker. It's like, what, did he have an AK-47? No, he had a John 3.16. (laughs) The Bible says the word of God is the sword of the spirit. It was a weapon. No weapon formed against him could prosper. In fact, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says when they came to arrest Jesus... They said, who is Jesus of Nazareth? And Jesus, in his final hours, he said, I am. What was he doing? He was quoting that bush that liked to do existentialist poetry on its free time. The burning bush that said, I am that I am. Jesus quotes the bush. He says, I am. And the minute he said, I am, everybody fell down backwards. (laughs) They all just like fall down backwards. And what he was saying is, I have total power to wipe out everybody right now, but instead, in the save or kill decision, Jesus chose to save his enemies and let them kill him instead because God demonstrated his love and that he would go to the ends of the earth, even across the master of heaven, bankrupting the kingdom to sell everything that he has to buy you his pearl of great price to prove his love for you. What I'm saying is we have one on our team who's braver than Batman, stronger than Superman, more indomitable than Iron Man, more audacious than Ant-Man. The Bible calls him the son of man, Jesus Christ, because he before you, nobody can be against you. I used to be scared of the dark, but now the dark is scared of me. (laughs) He loves you so much. And as we talked about last night, his perfect love casts out all fear. He would go to death to prove this to you. And by the way, uh, I do want to say this. A lot of people don't realize this about Jesus. He was crucified because he was the ultimate rebel. Like when he called himself the son of God, in his time, in, there, there were coins that had the image of Caesar Augustus, kind of like we have George Washington on our coins. They had Caesar Augustus, and the coin said son of God, speaking of Caesar Augustus. So Jesus hijacks the phrase. He's like, actually, that's me. No wonder Rome crucified him. In fact, his message was called the gospel. Jesus didn't invent the word gospel. The word gospel was Roman military propaganda. When Titus and the various and sundry Roman generals would go out and win a victory, they would preach the gospel throughout the nation that Rome established the Pax Romana by killing her enemies. And Jesus took the, the, the Roman gospel, the politically charged term, and redeemed it and inversed it, whipped it on its head. 
The Roman gospel was peace through victory. In other words, we get peace by killing everybody. Jesus' gospel was not peace through victory. It was victory through peace. I get the ultimate victory by laying down my life for my enemies. Save them, kill me. And that's how I conquer. That's how I win. So he used the phrase son of God, used of Caesar Augustus. He used the word gospel, used by the Roman Empire. In fact, this gets nutty. I just learned this a few weeks ago. But there was an emperor in Rome named Caesar Domitian. And he would actually be followed around everywhere he went. And a choir sang of him, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive all glory and power and honor. John, at the same time that Caesar Domitian is being followed around by choir, saying, You are worthy, our Lord and God, Caesar Domitian, to receive all glory and honor and power. John the Apostle writes in the book of Revelation that, that God is on the throne, and everyone in the heavenly choir sings, you can find it in Revelation, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. <gasps> no wonder they tried to kill him too. In fact, this is dope. They tried to kill John the Apostle, but he wouldn't die. The, the king tried to poison his cup, he drank it and didn't die. So then they put him in a cauldron of boiling oil, again he didn't die. So then they sequestered him to a desert island, and not only did he not die, he came back with the bestseller, the book of Revelation. He was invincible, indomitable. So watch this, it gets even crazier. It was said of the Roman Emperor Caesar that he had historically, watch this, he had ascended up to the heavens to sit at the right hand of the gods. Luke then writes in his story, Jesus ascended up to heaven to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. This was like an anti-empire, remember like the rebel alliance in Star Wars? <laughs> That's what the early Jesus movement was. It was a bunch of courageous people who were at war, not by using weapons, but rather by loving their enemies. They were getting persecuted and killed, but the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. And the more they tried to kill these Christians, they were like whack-a-moles. The more they just kept popping up. They couldn't lose, and it just kept growing. Now, the question is, what is this kingdom that King Jesus is ruling over that he would give his life to found? Watch this. Napoleon Bonaparte said, and I quote, I have known men, and Jesus Christ is no mere man. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, myself, we have all founded empires, but upon what did we rest the creation of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love, and at this hour, millions of men would die for him. End quote. Napoleon was saying Jesus is the king of all the kings. That's why when Jesus was crucified, there was a sign above him that said king of the Jews in three languages, Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. Latin was the language of Rome, politics. Hebrew was the language of the Old Testament, religion. Greek was the language of the philosophers. So Jesus is king not only of the Jews, but over politics, over religion, and over philosophy. No wonder everybody wanted to kill him. Because he's coming in with this resistance movement, showing that the weak is the new strong, exposing the myth of redemptive violence, turning the other cheek, laying down his life to establish a kingdom that's unlike anything else. The Bible says this is what the kingdom of God is. It is righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Peace. Everybody say peace. And joy in the Holy Ghost. Everybody say joy in the Holy Ghost. Number one, it's righteousness. Have you guys seen the first Finding Nemo? You remember Crush the turtle? You remember Crush? <laughs> you remember him and his little, like, his little son? 
they would surf the currents, they would throw shakas with their flippers, and what did they say? Righteous! Righteous! That's what the Bible says is happening in heaven. The four and twenty elders are bowing down before the throne, and they're saying, Righteous! And true are your judgments. When the Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, what it's saying is, even though we might not understand what's happening in our life right now, even though we don't get why we, even though we don't get why our hearts have been broken, even though we can't comprehend why we go through trials and tribulations, one day in heaven, we're going to throw proverbial shakas at the throne, and Revelation says we're going to declare, say it with me now. That was awful. Let's try that again. Everybody say it with me. Righteous. So what we do by faith is right now we say, righteous. God, hindsight's 2020. I can only connect the dots looking backwards, and I'm going to look back on my life in eternity, and I'm going to say, wow, you were never doing anything against me. You were only doing things for me. Righteousness. Righteous. Number two, peace, peace, peace. Watch this. The kingdom of God is peace. The kingdom of God is inside you. Paul the apostle said, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Where are the baseball players at? Where are our baseball players? Are there two baseball players? How many baseball players are there? Where are our baseball players? Over here? Okay, you guys are going to like this. Watch. When Paul said, let the peace of God rule in your heart, you want to know what the word for rule is in the Greek language? It's our same English word for umpire. So it's let the peace of God umpire your heart. So the peace of God will either call you out or the peace of God will say, you're safe. So sometimes in life, we're faced with decisions and we're at a crossroad. What college do I go to? What sport do I play? What person do I marry? What decision do I make? And we don't know which way to go. When you're faced with a tough decision, the Bible says, let the peace of God umpire your heart. So the Greek language literally is. So if you have peace in your heart about a decision, God is saying, you're safe. If, you, if you're lacking peace about making a certain decision, God's calling you out. Don't make that decision. I'm calling you out on the carpet. So the peace of God actually guides us. When you don't know what to do, do what you know, and you'll know what to do. The peace of God will rule your hearts. Number three, the kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Ghost. It's holy happiness. Happy are those people whose God is Lord. It's sacred optimism. It's Jesus' joy. The Bible says Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above all his fellows because we know that we're going to live happily ever after. Everything's going to be okay in the end, so if it's not okay, it's not the end. And it's okay if you're not okay. It's just not okay if you stay that way. <laughs> the kingdom of God, it is joy in the Holy Ghost. But this is what the scriptures say, that we, friends, are kings and priests ruling and reigning with him, and there is no game when it comes to his throne. Revelation says that to him who overcomes, Jesus will give that person a seat with him on his throne. We could actually sit with Jesus on his throne. We don't have the nosebleeds. We're seated in box seats. We get to be seated with Jesus on his throne. How? Revelation 3 says, by overcoming. How do we overcome? 1 John says, this is what overcomes the world, even our faith. So by trusting in the God of hope, we get to share a seat with Jesus on his throne, and then we get to rule and reign together under the leadership of our overlord, our God. 
Now that leads us to our text. Would you turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 5? And I'll be really short because I'm running out of time. Romans 12, 5. Jesus doesn't just say, I'm going to do this thing by myself. He says, I want us to be family strong. When we are advancing the kingdom of God that Jesus gave his life to found, we're doing this together as a family, as a squad. Watch this, Romans 12, verse 5. As we're kings and priests ruling and reigning with him, spreading the advancement of righteousness, righteous, peace, umpire, safer out, joy in the Holy Ghost, anointed with the oil of gladness above all our fellows. We do this as a family together. Romans 12, 5. If you're there, would you please say, I'm there. Paul says, we are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Would everybody please say, we all all belong belong to each other. other. Look at your neighbor and say, we all all belong belong to to each other. Now look at the neighbor you ignored and say, we all belong to each other. Friends, we are family strong. We go on adventures with God and adventures with squad. The meaning of life, if you want the meaning of life, we might as well plumb the deeps, not skim the surface of our own existence since we're here. The meaning of life is to enjoy the joy of being enjoyed by God. Everybody please say, enjoy. Enjoy. The joy of being enjoyed by God. Friends, God does not endure you. He enjoys you. He does not tolerate you. Rather, he is passionately in love with you. He's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. That's who our God is. And so what we do is we know that because we all share the love of God, we belong to each other, family strong, and together as a royal priesthood and kings, we spread the advancement of God's rule and reign on earth, even as it is in heaven. We basically find anything that's not heaven on earth and we utterly destroy it. Now watch this. We sometimes think to experience righteousness, peace, and joy in our lives, this is going to happen in... In, in a solitary way, but it's not in a solitary, solitude way that we find righteousness, peace, and joy. It's not in solitude, but in solidarity. It's not when we stand alone, but when we go together, that's when we are able to conquer. We sometimes think that we want to disappear, but all we really want is to be found. Well, folks, you've just been listening to our speakers this summer, this month of July and first part of August here, and you just got done listening to Dan Russell and uh, just an amazing message that he had for us that, and, and for all the athletes there that evening there at camp, huh, Pablo? Yeah, it was a great, great way to wrap up our, our camp week. Um, the last day's theme was Finish Strong, and it just so happened that Dan had written a book not too long ago on titled Finish Strong. And uh, in this second part, he talked about just a couple of good nuggets that were really encouraging. He said, we should be folks who have fearless faith, who have infectious hope, and who have relentless love. And that, that, that should be the mark of every Christian, to have those three things. Well, folks, if you're interested in hearing these messages again, you can um, 
you can hear those on uh, the website here at KBXL 94.1 FM and uh, they'll get those on there and uh, feel free to pass those along to other folks. They were powerful messages that God delivered through our speakers of uh, Helen Marulis, Ben Corson and Dan Russell there at the Northwest FCA sport camp. So it, was amazing, amazing week. God did a lot of incredible things in a lot of kids and coaches' lives that week. Come, huh, Pablo. That's right. That's right. It was a powerful week. And um, and if you have any questions or um, any thoughts, you can reach out to us at fcidaho.org, and you'll find Ken's information, my information, and also our other two staffers, Ryan Seals and Sean Rooney. But um, this is a great, powerful week, and Dan did a great job of, of wrapping up camp for us. Well, thanks, Pablo. And uh, it's always great to be on the air with you here on Heart of the Athlete. Always fun, man. Thanks for listening today. If you are interested in getting involved with FCA or would like to donate to the FCA ministry, you can contact us through the FCA Idaho website at fcaidaho.org. Join us next week for the Heart of the Athlete, a production of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Idaho and KBXL, The Voice. You